So you want to hit more greens, do you? You want to shoot a little lower golf score, huh? Hitting greens is like the, the secret key to unlocking the rest of golf. The best players hit the best golf shots and the best players hit the most greens. It's like the long game we want to be working towards. There's a lot that goes into that. There's good decision-making, good technique, good execution, and all the things that are downstream from hitting more greens. But today I really want to focus in on how you can stabilize your club face, how you can really work towards having a more stable hitting platform that is really the thing that, that leads to to golf being sustainable long-term so you can repeatedly hit it more often where you want to hit it. Last week's podcast, we talked about the arms. That's an important precursor to this. But this week, I want to talk about how we can use our wrists. Your wrists are the thing that controls your club. So let's start from the beginning. Your grip is your connection to the club. What you do from that point is how you're going to control the face. So that's why a solid grip is important. You can have a grip that's, I don't want to say unconventional, but there's like a window for how you could grip the club. Ideally, we have a relatively conventional grip. And then from that point, we use our wrists to help keep our club face square as long as possible to our swing arc through the hitting window. If you're to imagine your swing arc is this swing plane ellipse that would be projected back from the shaft of your club. Often compared to like the pitch of the roof of a house, your club works on that kind of arc back and through. And particularly the knee high to knee high kind of area where we're really coming into the moment of truth. That's where it really matters. Or that's where it matters the most. If we're talking about, hey, where do we want our ball to end up? Do we want to, how do we want to get it to fly straight or curve left or curve right? How, how we treat our club face through the hitting area is most important. So we start with a relatively conventional grip. You could interlock, you could overlap. I'm not diving into the weeds about grip today. Today's about how to use your grip to make the club face square. Now, as we swing back in our backswing, we're really not changing our wrist orientation much. If you're watching this on YouTube, I will have some overlays so you can see exactly what I'm talking about. For the most part of our backswing, our wrist orientation isn't changing a lot, except as we swing to the very top of our backswing, our wrists are going to start hinging. And hinging is like when your wrist moves thumbs towards your forearm. So that's hinging of the club. So as you swing back, your wrists are hinging it's going to put you in some type of top position. Here's where you can have a little bit of variation. All right, so at the top of your golf swing, your wrist could be cupped, which would be moving your knuckles towards your forearm. Your wrist could be bowed, which would be moving your knuckles away from your forearm, or your wrist could be flat. Flat is considered relatively neutral in golf, but both positions have played good golf over the course of history. A lot of modern golfers actually tend to play with club faces that are more closed and less club face rotation than golfers say in the 70s may have. But all of them create similar wrist mechanics in the downswing to have a stable club face and into the moment of truth, which is your 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 hit. There's your variations, cupped, neutral or flat, and then bowed. All of those can play good golf. Now my preference for most of you is gonna be neutral to bowed because most amateurs struggle with a slice. So we wanna really encourage a club face that's more closed if you struggle with a slice. 
If you struggle with a slice, there's no sense in opening the club face because then you're just reclosing it to get it to where you want to be. We want that baby to be closed coming back, closed at the top, closed in the downswing, closed through the hit if you're a slicer, which is most of you. All right, now I'm not generalizing, but I'm generalizing here and it's the truth. It's truth because I've taught a shitload of golf lessons, so just listen up, all right? Now, in the downswing is kind of where the magic happens and often players get themselves into poor positions. So as our wrist moves into the downswing, the, I want to demonstrate what the best players do. The best players flex their wrist, their lead wrist, into the downswing. So the knuckles work towards the forearm in the downswing. And that's strengthening or closing the club face. All right? That's a degree of what's happening. I'm going to largely talk about the lead wrist here. So the lead wrist is flexing in the downswing. You're going to get somebody who's going to ask how much and... There's not necessarily a right answer to how much, although I would say that the traditional rule is that an amateur is not gonna overflex their lead wrist. It's nearly, it just doesn't happen that often. So what I would say, how much you should flex, you should flex as much as possible, as much as possible, okay? But the best are going to be flexed in their lead wrist if we're measuring off of, say like a flat angle um, from neutral, they're gonna have it flexed 10, 15, 20 degrees by the time their club gets parallel to the ground in the downswing. By that time, that wrist, that lead wrist is gonna be flexed 10, 15, 20 degrees. Now from this point, so you're about waist high in the downswing, that lead wrist is flexed, you've done what most players haven't done. Now, if we're just observationally talking about, watch what happens here, or, or let me talk you through what happens here is that lead wrist flexes. This is such an important concept that we have to understand. So as the lead wrist flexes, What's that doing to the shaft angle of the club? The shaft angle of the club is becoming more shallow. Say we were to do the opposite here and that lead wrist were to extend or cup. See what happens there if that lead wrist extends or cups? So what's happening to the face is the face is opening, but also the shaft is steepening. For most of you that have that nasty slice move, it's because your face is open, because your wrist isn't flexed enough, often because your grip didn't start in a good position. All of these things lead to where stuck in an open-faced position with a club shaft that's steep. And then from that point, a lot of you flip it to square it. Now, that's your most common problem, but we won't talk about how we should actually be using the face here. So, and for simple purposes, we're flexing in the downswing, okay? And then some degree of supination is happening with the lead wrist as well. And that's particularly happening down here at the bottom of our swing, although because it's gonna be happening really fast, there's not necessarily a mo like a black and white moment where you can stop, start feeling it and stop feeling it. Oftentimes when I'm coaching somebody, I, I just tell them, hey, we wanna do it as much as possible, as early as possible, because one, most people aren't gonna overclose their face. And two, it's very difficult to feel you know, what's happening at the very bottom of your golf swing. All right, and that's where things like video can come really handy to observe and see what our face is doing. Any iPhone with slow-mo now, can you can get really good idea of what your club face is doing through the hitting area. And the gold standard that we're striving for is we want that face square to the arc as long as possible through the hitting area. As we get further into that downswing now, we're flexed and some amount of supination needs to happen. And this is another thing that's gonna be kind of based on your grip style. And what I would say is we should also be listening to our ball flight. But for a person that tends to create good contact but also overhook the ball, 
you don't need more supination. You need less. If you're a person that struggles getting the face closed, you need more supination, not less. And so much of this is like fancy terminology for what your ball is doing. All right. Now, but what your ball is doing is a little bit of a catch-22. And that catch-22 is basically assuming a good hit. So if you hit the center of the face, if you take a forward divot with proper angle of attack, then you're getting really good data from your shot. You're getting really good you're getting really good feedback from your ball flight. But if you chunk the ball, if you thin the ball, all of that things all of those things really change towards getting a skewed perspective as far as the kind of feedback you're getting from your ball flight. So some of this stuff is can get a little bit paralysis by analysis ish. But what we want to remember here is all we're trying to do is hit a golf ball that's relatively high, relatively straight and end up on target. If that's the case, we're learning a lot from our ball flight, assuming a relatively good hit. And there's a lot that goes into that. But if you make a good hit, you're getting good data or feedback on that ball flight. We want some flexion of the lead wrist. We want some supination. And those are the ingredients that most of you are missing. Now, the thing about kind of giving these, this broad stroke advice is just that it's a broad stroke. If you're to give this to a thousand people, most people need to do more of what we described here. But if you're in question of should I do more, should I do less, you should get on video or you should work with somebody who can coach, coach you through the process and really help you dissect what's going on. All of these things are like ingredients. With ingredients, I'm not the world's greatest chef, but if I wanted to chef myself up some chocolate chip cookies, I want the right amount of butter, I want the right amount of flour, I want the right amount of chocolate chips, and all of these things work in harmony to create the cookie that we want. It's no different in golf. All of these things work like ingredients to create the shot that you want, and they need to be fluid because golf is fluid, so you're going to change the ingredients when you want to change the shot style. For example, if you want to punch the ball, you want to hit it lower, you want to de-loft the club. Well, then you want to flex the lead wrist, you want to supinate it more, and you want to have more shaft lean through the hit. All of those things will de-loft the club and create a hitting situation in which you're ha having lower loft, more down hit, and creating a lower ball flight. I guess the, the importance of all this is to say that it's not black and white as to exactly how these things should happen. There are ingredients that you want to be in control of. How much proportions do you want here? How much do you need here? What do you need of this? What do you need of that? How do we mix up the shot we want to hit? Not every shot in golf is the same. How you want to hit a driver is different than how you want to hit a wedge. And ideally, we just want the tools in our tool belts to be able to accurately diagnose what's going on and how we can use these things to get us to where we want to be. But I'll leave you with this, is that every single great hitter in the history of ever, when their club is waist high in the downswing, their lead wrist is going to be flexed some amount. Could be a few degrees, could be more than a few, could be 20 or 30 degrees. Most amateurs aren't going to be there. So this is a real kind of secret sauce when we're talking about quality of ball striking, keeping that club face square to the arc. Get that lead wrist flexed in the downswing and then practice supinating or twisting the shaft to shut it. Listening to our ball flight and watching our ball flight, observing our ball flight, and being very aware of, of what's going on and the ingredients you can use to mix up what you want to mix up. Golf is cool because we can, there's more than one way to cut it, right? And that's what makes the game interesting. There's multiple ways that great golfers have played great golf. Some play a fade, some play a draw, some play it high, some play it low. 
but there are similarities and this is one of those core similarities that you can work through so get that leaderist flexing how much well it's tough to overdo honestly and um pursue better golf work a little bit every day in the name of better golf let me know what you thought of this podcast we dove a little more into the weeds it's a little more technical than i like to typically get on here but let me know what you thought of that send me an email or drop a comment below leave this thing a review share it with your friends that stuff helps more than you know catch you back here same time same place next week